Pittsburgh's gone to the Super Bowl. Here we go. Cheer the Steelers, back in the goal. Here we go. This town of Pittsburgh's heart and soul. Here we go. The Steeler Nation has the best fans. We are from Pittsburgh, the six-time Super Bowl champ. Welcome to the Shrinking Cities podcast, the show that dives into the multidimensional economies in shrinking cities across the U.S. We're your hosts, Ryan Park and Grace Bradbury. And today we're traveling to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to explore the roles of colleges and universities in the local economy. Later in the episode, we'll have guest Chris Brown, a regional economist from the University of Pittsburgh to talk to us about his personal and professional experience while studying the Pittsburgh economy and how the universities in Pittsburgh factor into it. All too often, the focus of shrinking cities fixates on the reasons for the city's decline, on the booming economy this city once had, or on how the loss of that economy has now left a gaping hole. So while many people associate Pittsburgh first and foremost with steel, which as we all know is their champion NFL football team name and the fight song of which we've played in the introduction, we will instead turn away from steel to explore prominent fixtures in the economy and their impact on either perpetuating Pittsburgh shrinkage, adding to its growth, or some combination of the two. Right, and I know we just said we're going to be focusing on the industry supporting Pittsburgh's economy in the present day, but before we dive into that, let's just rewind and set the groundwork for why and how Pittsburgh looks the way it does. May our steel mills stand forever And your learning tower too May Mellon remain clever. Good luck and God bless you. So Pittsburgh today has 95,000 fewer residents than it had in 2000, and the population has declined steadily since 1970. So what historical factors have made Pittsburgh a shrinking city? Well, there are many factors. Population decline can be traced to natural losses, like simply because the death rate is higher than the birth rate, and also residents migrating out of the city. Pittsburgh also exemplifies the classic tale of Rust Belt shrinkage in the 20th century, these booming industrial cities that experienced significant deindustrialization in the mid 20th century as companies decentralized. With the loss of Pittsburgh steel manufacturing jobs specifically, a lot of people who could afford to move from the city and go to the suburbs instead, they did so. And when you add on to that often tense race relations, if not blatant racism throughout history, we see increasing white flight to the suburbs. And what we also see now is the general domestic migration of people looking for alternative job opportunities more readily available elsewhere. As people continue to leave, so does the tax base that funds the public sector, which results in dilapidation, vacant houses, and lots. Furthermore, with poverty, there's an increase in crime, and given the nature of these shrinking cities' histories on redlining and racist lending practices, a lasting legacy of segregation exists. Thus, these cities get stuck in a cycle of population loss, disinvestment, and the host of other issues that come with it. In most cities, anchor institutions serve as stabilizing factors that help grow the depressed economy caused by shrinkage. So what's interesting about Pittsburgh is that we see at the same time shrinkage and the presence of a handful of major institutions like colleges and universities. The anchor institution we'll be specifically focusing on today is the University of Pittsburgh. 
And when we say anchor institution, we're referring to institutions like hospitals or universities, a nonprofit organization that employs local residents can be considered an anchor institution. An anchor institution's most prominent feature is their lasting role in the local economy. As you might imagine, that's a welcome relief for Pittsburgh after seeing a mass exodus of manufacturing jobs in the 1900s. And you might not think about how much colleges and universities affect local economies because people just associate schools with students and maybe teachers, but these institutions actually play a formidable role in the city's economies. And luckily for Pittsburgh, they have a pretty impressive number of schools with some of the most well-known being Carnegie Mellon and the University of Pittsburgh. So why do these schools have such a big impact on the Pittsburgh economy? Well, I think to understand how universities function within Pittsburgh's local economy, we need to step back and take a look at generally how colleges act as anchor institutions and what they can do for their home cities. So what's the biggest thing that colleges bring to the table? Honestly, what do they not bring to the table? I mean, universities are pretty multifaceted when it comes to bolstering local economies. For one, these institutions bring a lot of stability to the region since they're less susceptible to downturns than other sectors of the economy. I mean, look at the Great Depression. You can see that the education sector expanded before, during, and after it. And then another more obvious contribution is simply that they spend money in their areas to employ local workers. And since there's such a wide range of roles that need to be filled from receptionists, administrators, janitors, to dining hall workers, professors, and tech support, a lot of people with varying levels of skill and, and education can potentially find a job at a college or university. And then on top of that, these institutions help the regions they're located in by building a skilled workforce. Do you mean in terms of students entering the workforce? Sort of. So students are highly mobile, and what that means is that when they graduate, there's no guarantee they'll stick around the area they went to college in. Although some research does suggest that a significant number of students stay within 50 miles of their college after graduating. And that is significant because degree holders then bring with them increased earnings, buying power, productivity spillover, and the capacity to give back philanthropically. But for some cities, because of their mobility, maybe more important than bringing in students, Colleges bring with them a large number of highly educated and skilled faculty and professors. These professors can conduct their research locally and likely spur innovation. And that being said, local businesses can take advantage of universities to develop new products and technologies, and access to the university resources can even act as an incentive to draw new companies to the region. So the overall takeaway is that colleges and universities have the potential to do a lot for their local economies. Exactly, and this seems to be the case in Pittsburgh as well. We spoke with a local expert, Chris Brime, who's a regional economist from the University of Pittsburgh, and he noted a lot of these same trends in Pittsburgh. Professor Brime tells us that it's impossible to understand the role of universities like UPIT without understanding what might seem like ancient history. Very, very much a regional manufacturing industry stretched, it all, stretched out all the rivers here. We have three rivers here. And those river banks and the rivers were very much the center of the American steel industry. And when that pretty much contracted in the 1980s, it was certainly a traumatic uh, economic change. I, I bring this up just because this question of sort of how the anchor institutions you're talking about, certainly University of Pittsburgh here, the other universities, uh, healthcare, universe, big healthcare systems here, you know, what has stabilized the economy since the 80s uh, has primarily been what we sort of call the eds and meds economy. 
The EDS and MEDS, as Professor Brime calls them, refer to the educational and medical anchor institutions like UPIT or hospitals. And it's easy to see why he says these institutions have stabilized the economy since the 80s, given that they offer a significant number of employment opportunities. The MEDS collectively, you know, uh, we're talking about 240,000 jobs here in, in the region. The region is a place which uh, 2.4 million people, really only a million, million point one jobs. So we're talking a major uh, source of jobs in the region. Within those 240,000 jobs uh, are a wide range of occupations, a wide range of workers. And so there's not one answer for that. You know, certainly uh, the city in the region here has uh, evolved from what was a very blue collar workforce to a very professional workforce by that most of these jobs have very uh, advanced needs for higher education. We have a very high, especially among young adults, uh, you know, the, the proportion of workers who have a college degree is very high. Uh, and that certainly benefits uh, students or uh, workers who have those backgrounds. But nonetheless, healthcare as a, as a field employs a whole lot of workers. So I think it certainly has an impact across all workers in the region. And the EDS and the MEDS are growing in Pittsburgh and the universities have become better institutions in that they're appealing to different kinds of students and taking in more students from outside the region and across the world even. These employment opportunities have been significant throughout Pittsburgh's history as well. There are a lot of folks coming here for, for school and that makes it, uh, in a sense, it's good for the students, it's good for the workforce, but it's really sort of what we're selling to the world. We are sort of uh, exporting education uh, to folks, and that's sort of the same way we used to sell steel to the world. It's so true that education is now what Pittsburgh exports to the world, and that really speaks to the fact that while some students choose to stay in Pittsburgh, a lot of students are coming to Pittsburgh for school and then leaving with their degrees. Right, and according to Professor Brime, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, the students should go where the job opportunities exist for them, and Pittsburgh has a largely niche collection of markets. In fact, let's talk about those markets. You might have heard of the recent tech activity in Pittsburgh, and universities and colleges have a lot to do with that. Keep in mind that Pittsburgh suffered more from outmigration than most other Rust Belt cities, so this is especially significant. We asked Professor Brian specifically about the role of technology in Pittsburgh. If you'd asked me this question five or ten years ago, I'd say that the growth in technology were seeds of growth, things that could grow in the future. I think the last ten years you've seen some of that. You know, people talk about autonomous vehicles. Uh, uh, places like Google and Uber and, and Apple and, and Amazon all have um, uh, offices here, but it's still a very different type of, uh, we call this technology-based economic development, focusing on trying to incubate new firms or, or whatever. And uh, with some exceptions, and there are some very notable exceptions, you know, we still are not incubating firms. This tech sector, if, if, as it exists here in Pittsburgh, um, these firms I just mentioned that you're all familiar with or use, are really branch operations of, of national companies elsewhere. And they're coming into the region in large part um, to tap into the world. The big takeaway here is that even though Pittsburgh may seem to be booming with tech innovation, and to an extent it definitely is, the city is still not incubating firms. Rather, we see the city's economy tapping into larger firms like Google and Uber. We asked again how much these companies moving into the city had to do with the university presence. It's almost all about these these companies trying to tap into the particular 
workforce that's here and that workforce almost always has some direct or at least indirect connection to the uh, institutions here. If you're not familiar with it, I mean, Uber is here for this very particular story in that when uh, Uber set up its advanced technology center, which was focused on autonomous vehicles, they actually came to town and hired um, a large number, a really disproportionate number of the researchers at CMU who were working on that. But keep in mind that cities have to compete for companies and industry now. This makes the role universities play as a magnet for other companies all the more important. While we're talking about tech industries in Pittsburgh, though, we can't forget that the majority of these advanced fields have very specific requirements for who they hire. It's very hard to um, create a diverse uh, workforce of data scientists or AI, artificial intelligence engineers, without a supply of those folks long in the training pipeline. And you need to address that before you really can address a lot of diversity issues here. These particular firms, um, or broadly speaking, the, the, the professional skills needed in higher education and medical research, you know, are pretty specific. And, and, and there are sort of some very severe issues in occupational segregation within those, within those fields as, as it exists. And so you, you see that reflected in the hiring of these firms, I'm quite sure. Exactly, Ryan. It's important to remember that when we're talking about job growth through tech, these new companies and even a lot of positions within the eds and meds require advanced degrees and are essentially inaccessible for many community members in Pittsburgh, disproportionately those who are poor and Black. In some sense, it's clear that the poorer folks not residing on the east side of Pittsburgh aren't experiencing the same kind of development in the neighborhoods. This disinvestment not only leaves already poor communities to fend for themselves, but it can also create tense relationships between the community and the public and private sector, along with the universities themselves. So we wanted to know what direct actions the schools, and specifically UPIT, were taking to engage in community outreach and make sure development does extend beyond the immediate gentrification in the east side. We learned that the universities are in fact working to engage in community outreach. Professor Brime discusses the broad impact colleges and universities have on Pittsburgh and then their formal outreach efforts. I know, for example, the University of Pittsburgh has a formal outreach program. We've had, we actually have hired senior leadership to sort of outreach into some of the neighborhoods um, that are near the university here. And I think we've developed, uh, they're actually in the process of building more sort of neighborhood centric outreach centers uh, right as we speak. Despite these efforts, though, there's still a lot of deliberate work that needs to be done. Has, has the benefit of the universities impacted all of the communities in the region? Certainly not. Um, the uh, uh, growth of the city in general is very much concentrated in parts of the city, and there's certainly parts of the city that have not seen the, the same level of growth. Same level of growth as near this as the as the universities. But the region writ large, we have a lot of parts of the region that still sort of have not moved on past the decline of steel. But you know, according to Professor Brime, the universities and colleges are trying to expand development to different communities. But it seems like there's only so much they can do. It's a really difficult task. And ultimately, everyone needs to come together to support the mission in order to make it happen. Big as our institutions are, you know, they're not, you know, able to sort of uh, solve these problems by themselves. So, you know, it really does require work, not just with, you know, the local governments, the city of Pittsburgh, 
uh, the county, state. So is it the responsibility of these institutions of higher education in Pittsburgh to engage in community outreach? Or is this more of like an extra noble mission that schools have taken on? We asked Professor Brime what he thought as both a resident of Pittsburgh and an employee of UPIT. So I'm not here to speak for the university, but I, I believe the university feels that it is. You know, I, I, if you come in and fly into Pittsburgh, you'll see an advertisement. The university uh, has one of these advertisements you might see normally. And I think it, it says, uh, you know, regional leader, you know, a leader in development, quite sure that the leadership here at the universities, you know, consider themselves, you know, um, the fate of the community around them is part of their mandate. And even if, there, if that wasn't true, I think, you know, the quality of life of students depends a lot on so how well the region is doing around it. So I think all institutions uh, have that. So this begs the question, is their engagement altruistic or more in their self-interest? And frankly, Grace, at the end of the day, it's probably a little bit of both. I don't know, but does it really matter? According to Chris Brime, it is within everybody's best interest to help spur growth throughout the entire city of Pittsburgh. In the words of Professor Brime, you cannot separate out the fate of the city with the fate of the universities. Steel mills stand forever. And your learning tower too. May Mellon remain clever. I think what we really learned when looking at Pittsburgh, historically a shrinking city, is that the educational and medical institutions acted as anchors in the way that they helped stabilize the economy. Right, I mean, Pittsburgh was devastated after the loss of the steel industry, essentially left the economy with very few employment opportunities. The colleges and universities, along with hospitals, really grounded the economy and provided opportunities in ways that no other industry could at the time in Pittsburgh. Without the eds and the meds, Pittsburgh would look completely different today. And with all of that positive, we can't forget that more has to be done in areas out of the east side. The jobs and development are still fairly concentrated, but hopefully we'll see investment and employment spread to surrounding areas in the city and region soon. Thanks for listening to the Shrinking Cities podcast. Tune in next Wednesday for more episodes about shrinking cities throughout the U.S. Changing the game, his name is Swiss Khalifa, man. From the home of the greats, where they known for the kick, the place that's still city. Damn, I got that Pittsburgh sound, and I'm always old Pittsburgh now. It's Swiss Khalifa, man. You can't tell by now, Pittsburgh, I'ma swell my town. It's still city.